Interesting times in politics, as always. Uh, and I'm looking forward to this because we have uh, a very insightful analyst joining us uh, to talk about what's going on in conservative politics. We're joined now by Melissa Cowett, who we've had on the show before. She's a conservative strategist, consultant, and writer. Melissa, thanks so much for joining us again. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Shay. Obviously, we brought you on. We were going to talk about the situation dealing with the federal Conservative Party, and we'll get there, but I would love to know what you're thinking about the provincial Conservative situation with the announcement that Brian Jean is seeking the UCP nomination in Fort McMurray, Lacladeche. Yeah, no shortage of things happening <laughs> in Conservative all. politics <laughs> in Canada and Alberta right now. Um, look, I think it's extremely unusual for somebody to say that they're going to seek the nomination for a party whose leader they are openly um, criticizing. And that's not to say that the criticisms are right or wrong. I think that's sort of a separate issue, but I just find it really strange. If if you want to run for a party, but you don't, you can't stand the leader and you said that you want to, you want to run against them in the future. That's just very strange to me. I mean, if you're so um, against what's happening, then start your own thing. And, And I'm not, advancing now because I don't think that we want the right to be split in Alberta, but that's just sort of how the news hit me this morning is a little bit confused. And of course, um, you know, he's using communication tactics to try and sort of um, build on the frustrations that exist in the party right now. But that, that would be my high level response to what's happening. I, and I, I don't mean any disrespect towards Brian Jean because he's obviously done a lot for the province, but it's just, it's a strange thing to do if you are really criticizing the leader. No question, Melissa. I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, I mean, as I was saying earlier, he, he wants to run for the leadership of the UCP party. He needs Jason Kenney to endorse him as the nominee for Fort McMurray Lac Labiche. And the only plank in his platform so far is Jason Kenney has to go as leader. Uh, the position that Jason Kenney's in, what does he do? I mean, he can't duck this. He can't not sign the nomination papers. I mean, wh- what position is Kenny in in all of this? He's in a, a tough situation for sure because immediately, you know, whatever whatever decision he makes, he's going to get receive criticism because if you do it, then you're putting sort of the stability of the party at risk. Some might say if you don't do it, um, you're sort of giving people who maybe already have issues more reason to be angry, sort of adding more fuel to the fire. Um, so I don't know that there's a right decision in yeah. this situation for him to make, but you, you make a really good point, Shay, when you talk about the only thing that's in his platform is sort of um, being against Kenny yeah. right now. And, and I actually take issue with that as well, because I think a real problem that we have with conservative politics, both, provincially and federally is, you know, conservatives are often accused of, of just being against things versus having solid policy platforms. And it's actually not true that conservatives don't have solid policy platforms. I mean, Premier Kenny had a very expansive one in 2019. Aaron O'Toole put a lot of work into his, whether you like it or not. Um, And so I just, I don't love that either. I think that it's just not a true thing about conservative parties, but it's something that we get branded with. And so I don't think this does a lot to help that narrative at a time where we really need to be changing the channel uh, on how we we structure conservative politics in this country. Yeah, Melissa, you make a good point because we have had a couple of calls and texts already today saying, okay, you can't just be against uh, the premier. What's your plan? What's it going to be better? So, and as I said, it's it's day one. He filed his papers yesterday. So maybe Brian Jean has an expansive platform that he's going to unveil to Albertans as he runs for this uh, riding in Fort McMurray. We'll see. 
You mentioned Aaron Again, O'Toole. If, if you're running under the UCP, you don't need to have an expansive platform True. because you should be endorsing the party <laughs> under which you're running, right? That's that's just back to how it's strange to me. But anyway. No, I hear exactly what you're saying. Uh, you know, I mean, because... But he, he, you know, you know, Melissa, he's tapping into a large segment of the UCP that want to see that party run in a different direction. That's what he's saying. He knows there's a number of UCP members, including MLAs and ministers, possibly, who would like to see things go in a different direction. He knows there's a base of support there. Sure, I just think for um, to sort of jump the gun on that. I mean, there's a leadership review that's happening in the spring, and if you if you want to have. Um, if you want to have strong opinions about that following, then I, I think that's appropriate. But I mean, you're either you're either trying to be a member of the party that um, is building for better, or you're trying to sort of build on existing fractures mm-hmm. for personal gain. So. Okay, let's take a look at what's going on federally, and the parallels are jarring, as they t- typically are when it comes to conservative politics. Aaron O'Toole uh, has really been laying low following the election, but now there's a lot of speculation that when he comes up with his shadow cabinet, um, people will be watching closely because he's facing a lot of the same criticism, and again, it's coming from grassroots groups, um, Firearms Coalition, um, anti-abortion advocates saying they felt left behind in the last campaign. How serious is the threat to what he's trying to do with the Conservatives? I think it speaks to, you know, maybe these threats on their own don't pose that much of a challenge, but the idea of what what this is speaking to is the larger idea of caucus discipline, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's really important uh, in politics and especially in political movements that have diverse views as the Conservative Party of Canada does. So that's a real challenge that he's looking at. And the reason why I think it's been a bit of a rough go for him is, is, you know, we've talked about this before, he campaigned during the general in a bit of a different way than he did during the leadership, which, you know, can undermine your authority. And I think, you know, O'Toole is, is I think, trying to make sure that those grassroots groups um, feel as though they're part of the movement and part of the party. But I think, you know, there, there's evidence from the last election that the country's going in a bit of a different direction. And so he has to balance those two, those two things. And so um, I think it's a caucus, caucus discipline issue largely. And I think it can become a threat if you don't get caucus in line. You know, yeah. there have been several, several former prime ministers and, um, and folks who are really experienced in the federal world when the conservatives governed that really emphasize the idea of caucus discipline. And this isn't a new thing, and it's, it's become a bigger problem as conservatives have struggled to form government because obviously it's easier to, to sort of um, be critical of everything when you're in opposition. Mm-hmm. But it, it's something that that's an issue for the party. And I think that Aaron O'Toole has to, at some point, just say, look, this is the direction I'm taking the party in, and I'm going to take it in a direction in consultation with my caucus. But we're not, again, going to get off track of where the majority of Canadians, Canadians who would identify themselves as conservative, are to speak in favor of a select group of special interests. Um, It's not a viable way to run a political party in 2021 um, from where I'm sitting. I I think he's recognized that. Um, And I think a lot of conservatives, as you say, have recognized that. But I think there is that constant 
push and pull, and it cost him on the campaign. And a lot of the criticism he's facing now is, you changed right in the middle of the campaign with no consultation. And, you know, you talk about the gun issue, and he completely changed that, it, you know, mid-campaign. How important is it him to say, this is my line in the sand. This is what we're running on. This is who we are, and I will not change. And people can rely on that because he's getting a lot of criticism for sort of changing, you know, depending on how the wind's blowing. I think he has to. I think he does have to put his foot down. He, um, again, is in a difficult spot because he does have these accusations coming that he's he's a flip-flopper given what the leadership race um, showed last year. Mm-hmm. So it would be easier if he, he hadn't changed course, but he did. He saw what was happening in society and tried to respond to that. I don't really think that federally... Um, I don't really think that federally there's as big of a risk as split as there is if we're tying it back provincially at this point, because I think that it's quite clear that there's zero chance of winning um, if conservative party is split federally. So I don't, I think that people are talking a pretty big game in terms of that stuff. Um, But certainly I think if there comes a point where people within the conservative caucus don't recognize any conservative principles, which is, I think the sort of argument that some against his leadership are making, then his leadership may be in jeopardy. But I don't think we're at that point yet, frankly. I think that the biggest thing for him is going to be to be a strong leader and provide a lot of direction, but do that while working closely with caucus and prioritizing caucus and making sure that his shadow cabinet isn't just a collection of loyalists. It's a shadow cabinet that reflects all of the different perspectives of the party. But at the end of the day, he's the leader. And he chooses the direction. And that's not going to be dominated by a bunch of dissenting voices within caucus. And that needs to be made clear. That's encouraging. I think, you know, if if conservatives can get on board with a plan like you're talking about, where they can have the dissenting views, they can have the dissenting opinions, they can have those discussions in caucus, uh, and, you know, at different conventions and things like that. But when it comes time to present a united front to get elected, they're all on board. Um, That's the best of both worlds, I would think. I think so. And we need there to be those voices because there's, you know, populism doesn't just work on the right. It can work on the left as well. And so you cannot have a political party that is just totally not different from the liberal party. Like the conservatives do need to continue to be conservative. Otherwise, what's the point? So there there do need to be those voices that, that remind people to sort of avoid the populist trap of just doing everything the liberals are doing because that seems to be working well. Um, so I think those voices are important and those voices should be valued, but they're not dominating the conversation. And I think everybody who's in that spot within the caucus has to recognize their role in, in keeping the party together and preparing it for the next election. And if you want to dominate the conversation, that's, that's really not conducive to winning the next election, um, whenever that may be. Sounds so simple. We'll see if it holds. Yeah, my armchair quarterback perspective here. (laughs) Awesome. We appreciate it so much. Thank you, Melissa. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for joining us again. That's Melissa Cowett, who is a conservative strategist, consultant, and writer. And, you know, that, that that's the logical approach here. And we've seen, um, that, that's what Aaron O'Toole is trying to do. I think, uh, you know, there's a, there's a large segment of the Conservative Party of Canada that has recognized, okay, if we want to be elected, we're going to have to change our position on some of these issues. Not abandon our positions, but moderate them soften them, be more willing to compromise on some of them. 
Um, and there's some people who don't want to see that happen. So that's the battle that's being waged within the federal Conservative Party. And it is very similar to what's going on in the provincial Conservative Party. Very much the same thing. I mean, Jason Kenney was caught in a position where he didn't want to do a lot of the things that he felt he had to do in the face of a pandemic. Um, and he couldn't convince many members in his own party to say, you know what, this is not what we want to do. This is tough medicine, but it's what we have to do. Instead, he had a number of his MLAs sniping at him and saying this is the wrong thing to do. Um, and I think those discussions behind caucus doors are great. That That's part of the process. But for me, if you're the leader, you make it clear, okay, we've had the discussion. I've made the decision. When we go out on the steps and talk to the people of Alberta, we're all singing from the same uh, hymn book. 